Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Before we start, yeah. How are you feeling before going into this experience? Oh, I'm feeling great. I mean, it's funny to watch it with you because from what I remember, when I did watch this with Cam, there was just so much sex. And like obviously it's like fine, but it's just kind of funny when you're like watching it with a friend and especially when it's straight up porn. Like we're going to be watching porn. It's not like it's just, you yeah. know, like some sexy times. It's like you see everything. <laughs> Okay. See, you have said many times before this experience, like, can we, can we do this? Can we just watch this? Like, I don't think you have faith in us, but this whole time I've been like, absolutely. I can watch this with you. It probably helps that we're not in person. Why? Because we wouldn't be able to keep our hands off each other. I would just get a little too hot and heavy, you know? (laughs) How are you feeling, first and foremost? I'm feeling great. Like, I, I don't feel any type of way about this. I feel okay. like it's because, didn't we watch Blue is the Warmest Color together? We did, and I'm pretty sure we actually watched it with Becky. <gasps> Becky. Do you remember when Becky was visiting us for the weekend? And I'm pretty sure you, me, Becky, and our old roommate, Alyssa, watched Blue is the Warmest Color together in our living room. Yeah. Okay, I think you're right. You're right. but you have definitely been talking up how much of an experience this movie is so um I feel like (laughs) I'm excited I'm like excited and a little nervous I'm excited I'm excited for us okay should we do it yep just got to the hotel I want to get married in the garden at the old mill call the plan in the morning you didn't say goodbye last night I'll be here until dark then you never see me again one drink. Take me somewhere. I love how this is happening, like, on the driveway. I know. Take is it. like, someone going to walk by? I guess garbage man guy walked by. <laughs> you did. Oh, oh, my God. Are they? Whose house are they at? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It would be like if I brought a girl home and started having sex on the butcher's block. Oh, my God, girl. I'm like so proud of her. (laughs) Me too, because she's like obviously so repressed. Yeah, she's just like coming out of her shell. She's like, let's get it. Oh, wow. This man, how did they film this? Jasmine is shook out of her core. Yeah, she is absolutely shooketh. Oh, I like that strap on because it's not so strappy. Sarah, are they they tripping right now? Oh, they're definitely tripping. Oh, her little butt. Is she crying? Listen, girl. 
this is happening and you can leave riles you don't gotta be you don't have to be with riles because dallas like is in love with her yeah even though it's only been three days oh i love a good like makeout session in the rain of course hello oh he's gonna come home early though uh-oh how would you explain that fell in love with the girl while you were out of town sorry oh they're inside oh no oh no it's about to go down oh no up the stairs they go. Up the stairs. Oh, oh, oh wow. They're oh, really wow. just making their way. That's impressive. That takes That's some physicality right there. I would fall down the stairs. Me too. You want case, oh, this is sad. I know, right? Heather's going to have sex again. Get it, get it, get it. That's the end. Yeah. Well, what? So, Sarah. Yes, P. What did we do this week? That was a very fun activity. We watched a movie together. We had a little movie night. Yes, it was from, you know, one side of the country to the other side of the country, virtual. But we watched a little movie that some of y'all might have heard of before called Below Her Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to actually put the foghorn, is that what it's called? Noise. Yeah. Like, the sound effect, you know what I mean? I think you need mine. Mine was very realistic. You know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you like that. Yeah. Like, I'll forget about it. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Purse, why did we watch Below Her Mouth? Why? So, <laughs> well, why? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> probably a lot of questions. <laughs> why did we decide to watch this movie? Here's the thing. Below Her Mouth is a lesbian, erotic film it is shot by an all-female uh crew everyone Mm -hmm. working on the movie was uh was was woman was a woman (laughs) they're all women and (laughs) i can't speak and i'm getting flustered talking about below her i know i know you're getting all sorts of spicy over there but the reason why i wanted to watch and discuss this movie is because i feel like in the lgbtq community i feel like a majority of the queers aren't fans of Below Her Mouth. Right. Um, When I do some Googling, I'm doing a little research, wanting to find out more about this movie. A lot of people are like, no, it's not it for me. You know what? I didn't think it was that bad. And I really wanted to watch it with Sarah and break it down and see what her perspective was. And if we can like talk about it openly as to like why maybe a lot of lesbians or gay people aren't really fans of the movie. Yeah. And things like I also want to give like the director props for and the actors props for. Actors. Oh my God, totally. And I think there are a lot of queer movies out there, but not as many as there should be, to be honest. And I think every now and then a movie comes out that gets the queer community really talking. Um, Because sometimes a queer movie will come out and it'll be a little bit more universal. But some movies just, I feel like, really ingrained in the queer zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. This is what I've noticed, especially since starting the podcast and just, like, paying a lot of attention to queer Instagram and stuff like that um, and queer Twitter. And I feel like this is one of those movies because it's it's a little bit controversial um, in terms of is it good or not. So we kind of watched it with the purpose of deciding as professional movie critics yes is this movie good or not and we've got some thoughts we do and another thing i wanted to point out was that this movie 
is like it's very sexualized there's a lot of sex like you you are seeing everything and i find that there's not a lot of movies featuring queer storylines that have that that are so graphic so that's also why like below her mouth really fascinated me like they were not shying away you literally saw everything it wasn't like you just see them the next day you're making out you're getting like a little a little bit more there's a lot of foreplay and then you like switch the, to the next night totally um, yeah and we did see that yes in like blue is the warmest color but as we've talked about before on the podcast there's a lot of controversy surrounding blue is the warmest color so i don't want to give it too much too much well of yeah spotlight we we need to compare this movie to other women love and women movies because people have done it right and people have done it wrong and whether it's a good movie or a bad movie there are implications um in terms of like queer stereotypes and how the queer um, community is represented uh so it goes deeper than just like is this <laughs> do we like this movie or not but Pers, why don't you tell the listeners in case they haven't seen the movie a little bit about what it's about Yes. So Below Her Mouth stars Jasmine, who is played by Natalie Krill, who is a successful fashion editor living with her fiance, Ryle. We love Ryle. Love Ryle. <laughs> by the way, the whole time we were watching this movie, we kept calling him Riles with an S and it, it felt right. It really felt right. It did. Um, so then on a night out in the city with her best friend, so with Jasmine's best friend, she meets Dallas, who is played by the gorgeous, gorgeous Erica Linder. Gorgeous. Scandinavian is, queen. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Stunning. Mm-hmm. Model. Oof. T- truly an actual model. Who is a roofer who was recently out of a relationship. So uh, Dallas has a lot of confidence and meets Jasmine at a bar, basically. And Jasmine is surprised by this, but still turns her down, but cannot get Dallas out of her head. So Jasmine does finally give in to this. And then the two embark on like a steamy affair. And it basically forces them both to reevaluate their lives and like which direction they're going to go. Yeah, actually, this is one thing I like about this movie is it's not just like woman who thinks she's straight reevaluating that it's really like in my opinion really dives into the character development of both Dallas and Jasmine and how Dallas who's an openly queer woman who's had many sexual and um, relationships sexual experiences and relationships with other women also has to reevaluate who she is what she wants um emotionally sexually everything so I liked that because I think it could have very easily been like straight girl turns gay and which which obviously we don't like that rhetoric, but it could have really easily gone down that road. And I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. That's what made me like kind of enjoy this movie. Sorry to spoiler, spoiler. We're going to give it a grade, each of us, but I kind of enjoyed it. Just going to leave that there. Hey, and actually, I like that you said that because I think – from when you see the trailer of Below Her Mouth, so if everyone here, if you haven't seen it, if you want to look up the trailer, I feel like your first thought is literally straight woman walks into a bar and gets turned, basically. Like she yeah. she meets this woman who is just going to like turn her. And Sarah's right. I think that the character Dallas, who is played by Erica and is a very, um, yeah, openly queer, androgynous woman, 
that character has a lot of work to do because throughout the movie, you notice she's not treating people very well. I kept thinking in my head, Dallas needs to go to therapy. Dallas is toxic. (laughs) She is toxic. Not to derail what we're talking about, but I just thought of this. We should probably tell people um, if it wasn't already obvious. If you haven't seen the movie and you want to see it first and then join us as we talk about it, um, pause now and go watch the movie and then come back to this episode because I think this is the kind of um, topic where it'll be more fun when you're listening if you've already seen the movie because then you can hear our hot takes and then you can like DM us and tell us your hot takes. So don't be afraid to just hit pause and kind of forget about us for a little bit until you watch the movie. Yeah, good call. Go get some popcorn. You can buy it on Amazon Prime for five bucks because we both did. We own it now. It's not even rented. Like, I own this movie. It's in my world. (laughs) Same. I used to think you could rent it, but apparently there's no option to just rent below her (laughs) mouth. You got to buy it. (laughs) You can also buy it off YouTube for like 25 bucks, but we're cheap. So we did did the $5 version instead. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, I liked it, but I don't think I want to spend like 25 bucks on below her mouth. Yeah, I said I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it that much. 25 bucks, come on. 25 bucks could buy me a lot. I got bills to pay. Bills to pay. <laughs> Mouths to feed. Exactly. Like my, my own. My own and my... I got a big mouth. I mean... baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating for two pretty much all the time. <laughs> as, as she sips her red wine. Wow. That's right. So this movie, as per said, was made by an entirely female identifying crew. The writer, her name is Stephanie Fabrizzi, and the director is named April Mullen. Um, So everyone from the top to the bottom was female identifying, which is really cool. And one kind of like review poll that Purse found um, was according to She Does the City. Below her mouth is the cinematic voice to the female orgasm. Yeah, I would be like walking down the streets of Toronto, seeing this film like being promoted all over on like posters and stuff. And it on the posters, it said the cinematic voice to the female orgasm. Oh, okay, okay. And I remember being so <laughs> intrigued. I was like, what is this movie? Well, listen, sex sells and... Even though Below Her Mouth, I believe in theory, is trying to be an authentic story of two people falling in love, I do think ultimately they, you know, they they focus on the sex. That's a huge part of this movie. And if I was promoting the movie, I would not just hide the fact that it's full of sex. I would definitely, it was like Fifty Shades of Grey. I would definitely be like, listen, this is like soft core actually though i was um doing a little reading and the people who were working behind the movie all these women were kind of denying the fact that people were saying it's like softcore porn i view it as that but they were like no that's not what we're trying to do it's like it's art it's uh beautiful it's this love story but i mean in reality guys like you're basically signing up to watch some softcore porn well yeah and yeah, and I see what they're saying. I see what they're saying. Like, it's not porn, but it's they show a lot. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And um, if you wanted to, like, watch something and get turned on, you could watch this movie and very easily. You know what I mean? That's why, that's why I'm like, it's kind of softcore porn. Because, like... Sarah, were you turned on? I was very turned on. <laughs> As you were watching it with me. <laughs> Yeah, but not because of the movie. It was because of who I was watching it with. Right. You could barely see me. I was like in the dark. Actually, I was w- watching it with my red lights like all. 
You were. And actually, you guys might even like get to see a clip of her in her red light at some point if we post anything on Instagram from that because we recorded it. Um, but also, Dallas from the movie is in red light for like, I'm going to say a good 30% of the movie. She's just like in red lighting um, because she's all moody. And so you were just channeling your inner Dallas. That's all you were doing. I was. Yeah. And I was channeling my Jasmine just like (laughs) engaged to a man. Engaged to a man. My guy Riles. The funny thing is if you guys do watch the movie, I would be nothing like Dallas. Like Dallas is so closed off. Let's do, so we want to do a bit of a deep dive on the two characters because kind of like how we said before in our intro, like this movie actually really did a good job of like character development. Like I was into the characters and I know some people may say differently because the dialogue was lacking a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, we'll get into that. But you could still, uh, I could still like kind of understand who the characters were. So Sarah, tell me about Jasmine. Jasmine is repressed. I feel like in a lot of ways in her life, like even when it shows, so she is, um, like Persis said earlier, she's like a really successful woman. She is the editor of a fashion magazine. And at one point you get to see her at work being like her boss, her boss woman self. And even then, like even when she's being the boss and she's ordering people around, it still feels like repressed. Like it, it, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't a single moment in the whole movie except for when she's with Dallas where I felt like she was really being the full, like authentic, confident expression of herself. So she's repressed in every way. She's engaged to a man. And one of the main reasons she's repressed Um, that we find out in the movie is that she kissed a girl when she was a teenager but her mom found them um i guess like walked in on them or whatever and forbid a jasmine from ever seeing the friend again oh wait i think she was didn't she go to summer camp with that girl oh maybe i think she like kissed the girl in summer camp i forget what she said exactly but like somehow her mom found out and then she was forbidden from ever seeing this girl again yeah so somehow the mom found out And was like, you can't see her again. And so she didn't. And from that point on, she just dated men. But there was something there that she that she clearly uh, that she wanted to explore. and She didn't. Um, So she pushed away queerness her entire life so that she could live a normal, quote unquote, life, especially with Ryle, her fiance. Um, And throughout the whole movie, they are like talking about planning their wedding. They're like, have you called the wedding planner? Where do you think we should get married? All of this stuff. So, you know, it's in the works. Um, And another thing to note about Jasmine is that she is very femme-presenting. So she's beautiful. Um, Persis was, like, drooling. She's so gorgeous. Jasmine would be, Um, like, my type. Oh, for sure. And she had the most beautiful eyes and, you know, dressed quite feminine. She goes on a date with Dallas at one point, and she's wearing, like, a club dress and heels and they go to Dundas video all of our Toronto listeners you know what's up Dundas video which is not a place where you wear heels but she rocked it so she didn't care um but she's you know I think really taken on this role as like straight beautiful woman engaged to a man you know what I mean like she's really absorbed this role her whole life and repressed any part of her that could be not that I guess Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes me sad because like, you know, that's actually like people's lives. I find like, you know, you can have like an experience with someone where you're like, like Jasmine, for example, 
once her mom said, no, that's not right. As a younger kid or if teenager, whatever, you're soaking up this information and you just, you repress, you shove it down somewhere and you never visit it. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. people just live their lives and you don't know how many people are like, I don't know, pushing a part of them. It's a part of themselves. They're like, I'm not going to face this because it's too hard. This actually reminds me a little bit of um, Umberly's story. We had Umberly Gonzalez, who is one of the actors in Ginny and Georgia. We had her on the podcast last year, and she was talking about basically this exact same thing happened to her when she was growing up. She had like a best friend who it was clearly a little bit more than best friends, um, and they didn't even really know what it was, but her parents yeah, they were so young. basically. Yeah, she was she told was told she couldn't be friends with this person anymore. Um, and then that ultimately led to like many years of suppression and repression. So mm-hmm. it it instantly actually reminded me of Umberly's story because it's the exact same story. And I can't even imagine how many queer people that happens to men, women, everyone in between. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's hard because like society doesn't make it any easier for us as well we you almost kind of have to just like do the inner work on your own and just kind of like throw caution to the wind at times and hopefully like meet a group of people who are like really accepting and open so like you can feel comfortable to do that because that always helps it takes a lot of guts to kind of just like go off on your own especially like depending on where you live like what city you're in and it seemed like jasmine's circle i mean we didn't see like a lot of her friends or anything but at least her life with Ryle, like at one point her friend even said like, you're like Mary and the fucking carpenter when they were like outside of the, um, remember like outside of that bar? She was like, you and Ryle have like the perfect life or something. Oh, I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I remember that? What is Mary and the fucking carpenter? What does that even mean? I don't know. What is that? Do you guys Is that like know? a biblical thing? My first thought was it was like biblical, like Mary and the carpenter but is that what she said yeah she goes you're you and ryle are perfect you're like mary and the fucking carpenter and that's when oh. jasmine sorry guys to preface i kind of like derailed so jasmine ends up making out with dallas at the bar like the first time they see each other while jasmine is still engaged to ryle she leaves the bar in like a panic because she's freaking out jasmine's friend follows her and is like what's wrong like because she didn't see anything and then basically jasmine tells her and then she goes on to say like you and ryle have like this perfect life or whatever oh i don't know why i didn't hear that um yeah if you guys know what mary and the carpenter means like let us know <laughs> what is <laughs> let that? us know because we are clueless and if it is biblical you girls on girl on girl definitely do not know what oh. it means wait okay i searched mary and carpenter Okay. It just says Mary and Richard Carpenter. Okay. Is that like a famous couple? Maybe that's what <gasps> she meant. Wait. Oh, my God. I think this is Karen Carpenter's brother. <laughs> like, what? <Karen>. Who's that? <laughs> you know the singer Karen Carpenter? Remember the Carpenters? Like, the siblings? Oh, yeah. It says Karen Carpenter's brother. But, like. I love the live fact checks that we do, though. But why would she say Mary and the fucking carpenter and not Mary and Richard Carpenter? Are you sure she said that? Like, maybe you misheard her. Like, maybe she said something else. <laughs> anyway, Anywho. After my <laughs> long-winded panic of trying to explain that. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm just trying to say, like, it's hard. And I actually really do feel for Jasmine. Like, I, she's in a tough position. 
Yeah, poor Jazzy. Um, <laughs> my best friend's name is Jasmine, so it's really hard for me to like take it seriously talking about this character. Okay, Purse, tell us a bit more about Dallas. We already said girl needs therapy, um, but maybe we want to say it a little louder for the people in the back. Girl needs therapy. I was like thinking immediately. That Dallas, like, is the complete opposite of Jasmine. She's very like rough around the edges, um, very stoic, uh, androgynous. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at one point, Dallas does say to Jasmine, she has no emotional stamina for intimacy. But maybe it could be different with her, which to me, I felt was like a very fuck girl thing to say. Oh, for sure. Oh, that is, you know, it's, you know, it's a manipulative thing. If a dude said that to me, I'd be like, bye bye. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people were saying the way that Dallas approached Jasmine in the bar was actually like a little inappropriate because it, mm-hmm. if a dude was doing that to a woman and like kind of mm-hmm. cornering her and Jasmine did say multiple times like no no but Dallas kept pushing and this is where we here at girl on girl want to say like consent is very important I don't want anyone to like watch that movie and just think oh well because she's a woman I can keep pushing because listen Absolutely I will not. say I will say, like, the vibe was there. Like, there was definitely a little chemistry. But there were points where Dallas was pushing a lot where I thought, okay, I'm actually feeling uncomfortable because they're, like, on the balcony at yeah. one point at this bar. Dallas mm-hmm. has, like, totally Jasmine push, pushed up against the wall. I'm like, if a guy was doing that, we'd be all, like, yelling and being so mad. For sure. And I so I have to say, this scene that Persis is talking about at the bar, it's a pivotal scene for Jasmine and Dallas, the first time they kiss. And essentially, Dallas is chasing Jasmine around the bar. It's a long-ass scene, and it's just all different scenarios of Jasmine, like, running away, basically, through the crowd, and Dallas chasing after her. Like, at some points, Dallas is, like, almost jogging through the crowd. Um, And this is one of my least favorite scenes in the entire movie. I think it's, like, so cheesy. I don't think it's cute. I don't think it's hot. I think it's cheesy. I think it's weird. I think, like, she's chasing her for way too long. And this was one of the scenes where I was like, oh, God, this is a bad movie. And obviously things turned around a little bit for me. But I think part of it was just that feeling of like, dude, leave her alone. Like, uh, yes, I know she's giving you flirty eyes and all that. But just chill a little bit and you're not being cute by chasing her through the bar. Mm -hmm. Like take a little bit of like a message, right? And I think, I know it's like a movie and I know like... I know it's just a movie, I know. I don't want it to give the wrong message in saying like keep persisting if someone keeps saying no you know what I mean like even if Dallas has a sense that no I think Jasmine actually wants me wait for Jasmine to say yeah I want you yeah and another thing we should mention that we haven't mentioned yet is the whole reason Jasmine and Dallas know each other is because Dallas owns a roofing company and she's fixing the roof right next door to Jasmine So Jasmine's house, when she leaves her house to go to work, she sees Dallas on the roof next door fixing the roof. So to me, I'm like, Dallas, girl, you're going to see Jasmine probably tomorrow when you're fixing the roof. So do you need to be chasing her through the bar like this? Or you're going to see her again tomorrow, literally. And they did see each other the next day. And it just felt unrealistic. I was like, this isn't how it would go down, no matter which gender was doing what. This isn't how it would go down. 
It was trying to be cute and it was not cute in my opinion. I do wonder if like the way the writer and the director wanted it to be framed was that like it was because it was a lot at once but maybe like both of them just felt this like instant magnetic connection but I um which I feel like could happen obviously but I wish it wasn't so like Dallas chasing her like I think it should have been a little bit more reciprocated at first from Jasmine to make me feel like less uncomfortable (laughs) you know what it should have been this is what I think I think there should have been no chasing I think Dallas should have like seen Jasmine from across the bar and I think Jasmine should have gone out onto the balcony for some air and Dallas should have noticed she went out there and followed her out there just to talk to her and then they have their whole conversation whole kiss and then Jasmine runs out of the bar no chasing just they end up together on the balcony they kiss things happen and then jasmine runs away and dallas doesn't chase her dallas just is like whoops maybe i I stepped too far so that's what i think i don't know you know maybe we should do a remake and i should direct it (gasps) and it'll star you and whatever hot actor you want like anyone we can get any one person can we do we have that uh power (laughs) oh my god we have the power we have the connections like just name her and i'll get her for you um alexa demi are you out there perfect oh she listens imagine you trying to direct um, a lesbian sex scene i'm sorry (laughs) can everyone just take that in for a hot second yeah see that's the thing is that um i feel like we're kind of jumping around here but hopefully you guys are following along with us I know that I am speaking from a privileged place as a straight woman watching this movie, but I feel it's important that someone making a film about a queer relationship and a queer sexual relationship should be in the community or maybe should have like a lot of counsel from people in the queer community or something. But I don't know how, how do you feel about that as a queer woman? Yeah, I think I feel like, especially with, a subject that's like very intimate, I think it should be uh, directed by someone in the queer community. For sure. I stand by that. So Purse, what was your favorite scene and why? I think my favorite scene in the whole movie was honestly Dallas and Jasmine's first date. The lead up to the two of them going out on their first date, um, we see a scene of like Dallas getting all ready she's like dressing up in her suit and looks so good and oh she looks so good Jasmine also looks stunning and the two of them go to Dundas video and I want to say that like there were parts in that scene that were definitely like getting very very steamy they're barely chatting like they are chatting a little bit but like as they're talking Dallas is all over Jasmine mm-hmm. and clearly like there is tension there is like oh sexual tension God, you can cut it with a knife you can cut it with a knife and basically Jasmine is opening up to her about like her life with Ryle and like how her plans actually kind of changed and she turned down an opportunity to go to New York because Ryle had some other opportunity so she just decided to like follow him but being the classic lesbian she is Dallas was like I'd follow you to New York. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a very gay thing to say. Okay, why is that a gay thing to say? Tell the listeners, anyone who doesn't understand why. Okay, because, listen, I'm only saying it from the perspective of they've only known each other at this point for like a few days. <laughs> and Dallas is already saying, I would have gone to- with you to New York. Like, I would have moved for you, you know? 
and they're on their first date. So I just think that's a very <laughs> classic, like lesbian trope of we're already like moving in together moving and we're already together. in love. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's um, a great scene. But it's really when they actually run out of the bar. So I guess like it's a bit of a longer scene. They run out mm-hmm. of the bar because Jasmine once again starts freaking out because she's engaged to Ryle and Dallas is all over her and she's like, no, yeah. no. But also but gay panic. I saw that as actually more of gay panic more than like leave me alone. Um, I think she was just freaking out because she's like, I'm engaged to a man. Mm-hmm. And Dallas chases her and they start like making out in the alleyway. And I kind of love, I want to give this song a shout out, Keep Me High by Adeline. Oh, okay. It's like a sexy song that's like playing in the background. And I was just like, ooh, ooh. feeling some type of way. Did you put it on your twirly playlist? I think I did put it on my twirly playlist. Okay. I'm going to listen back to it. I can't remember what song was playing. I said when we were watching it, I said to Persis, oh, Pers, we've probably been in that alleyway. But we weren't doing that in the alleyway, if you know what I mean. And then at the very same time, I don't know if they like planned this or if this was just like a passerby, but while they were like making out like hard in the alley, this guy just starts just starts walking down the alley with like a dumpster, <laughs> like a garbage bin. <laughs> and he's like pulling, he's like rolling the garbage bin down the alleyway, like in the background of them basically like, you know, undressing each other. And then she was like, yeah, we were basically the guy with the dumpster. (laughs) I feel like you had to be there for the joke. It was really funny. Um, Anyway, my favorite part of that scene was definitely the dumpster guy. He's just, you know, hanging out, bringing out his garbage, garbage night. And then he's like, oh, they're filming a movie. (laughs) Yeah, a movie. Interesting. What was your favorite scene? Um, I'm, you know what? I'm a little bit of a romantic. I feel like I started liking the movie more when they were falling more in love with each other and it was becoming a lot more like emotional. And I honestly think one of my favorite scenes, I know this might sound weird. Bathtub? The, yeah, definitely the bathtub. Some stuff happens in the bathtub, guys. If, you wa- if you're gonna about to watch it for the first time, just like the first time you see the bathtub, be like, this bathtub's coming back with a vengeance. It doesn't mm-hmm. just show up once and then and then doesn't show up again. Um, but I think one of my favorite scenes was actually at the end when basically, guys, spoilers ahead. If you don't want spoilers, turn this off immediately. But long story short, Jasmine and Dallas fall in love and Jasmine's fiance, Ryle, catches them um, in the act. And he is basically like, Jasmine's begging for his forgiveness and he says you have to break up with her like you have to tell her you can never see her again and so he drives Jasmine over to Dallas's house to tell Dallas she can't see her anymore and that scene where she's telling her um, I think that might have been my favorite scene and I think it's just because it felt really authentic to the love that they had for each other like I could feel the love they had for each other I thought the acting in that scene was amazing um the acting isn't isn't perfect for the whole movie which we'll talk about later um but in that scene I thought they both were really going for it and in a way that like was maybe even more vulnerable than any of the sex scenes um and I thought they both like I just it felt the most real and I really enjoyed like that having that in such a sexual movie it was basically just like Jasmine crying Mm -hmm. the whole scene but I don't know there was something I liked about it. it just felt like I mean, I'm such a sucker for like dramatic, we can't be together moments um, in movies. So 
think that was my favorite scene. Yeah. And it does kind of actually remind you that they're in love. Like they, these two have like fallen for each other. It's not just like a sexual chemistry thing. It's not lustful. It's like they have both, like they want to be together. Like you can clearly see that. And it just, they can't be, I mean, at that point. Yeah. And and I think like, I think what we talked about, so we, we talked about both of their issues. Jasmine is repressed. Dallas is like, (laughs) needs therapy and is struggling to like be intimate and vulnerable and feel any emotions and i think the climax of both of those flaws comes to a head at that scene like jasmine is giving in to her repression and she and it hurts so much and she hates it and she wishes she didn't have to but something has been telling her her whole life she has to give into it she has to be with a man and then dallas is like coming to terms with the fact that she's actually felt something for the first time for this person and that she's now going to lose it. And so I feel like those things that we've learned about them, just it all comes to like this big, like intense heat of the moment thing. Like a breakup Uh, scene. (laughs) Yeah. I'm such a good movie reviewer. My favorite thing about a movie is always the character and the character development. So I just felt like that had, it had a lot of like, showing the characters in their most vulnerable state essentially like more more vulnerable like I said than the sex scenes in my opinion yeah like actually I was impressed because kind of what Sarah said before I was a little bit unsure about the acting um especially (laughs) because there is there is very limited dialogue guys and when it was delivered it didn't I was like "Uh uh-oh but when it got emotional I was very impressed with like both of their performances we do want to also dive into the sex scenes because sex is yes. exactly what below her mouth is. Like, listen, I ain't about to watch this with my mom and dad, guys. Like, mm, mm, yeah, and mo- both of our moms and dads listen to this podcast. Um, and I don't know if they're listening to this episode because they're probably all like, what's below her mouth? We don't know. We don't care. Um, but yeah, if you guys are listening, don't watch this movie. I mean, do if you want to, of course. But I guess what I'm saying is don't watch it with me. That's what I mean. It's like, quite graphic. <laughs> you know, my mom and dad, I'm pretty sure, I, I think they watched Blue is the Warmest Color. Maybe they didn't. But nice. if they did, I mean, they could watch Below Her Mouth. But yeah, just don't invite me to this movie night, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and don't invite me either, Rennie and Cyril, if you were thinking of it. I know you were. <laughs> Imagine. I'm, I can't come. If you invite me, I can't come. Too busy forever yeah i'm a little busy on the other side of the country but yeah sex is like 90 percent of this movie um and i think it's a big reason as to why this movie why we're talking about it like why this movie is such a big point of conversation in the queer community yes there are at least four sex scenes in the movie um and when we say that we mean like basically beginning to end sex scenes like full you know I would say each each one is like, I don't know, three to five minutes long. Yeah, they're definitely um, like lengthy, like yeah, um, scenes. Especially after their first date, them going back into Dallas's apartment. They're basically having sex on the island. Mm-hmm, on the butcher's block. On the butcher's <laughs> block and. Guys, as a joke, so I actually have a butcher's block in my apartment, and it's my roommate's butcher block, butcher's block, Camille. 
And I just made a joke to Sarah being like, Camille would kill me if I like had sex on the butcher's block. Yeah, but I was like, she doesn't have to know. And Camille, if you're listening, like, you won't actually know if Persis did. She's going to clean it off after. It's going to be fine. I, you know what? Blow her mouth inspired me. What can I say? <laughs> and Dallas lives in a really cool apartment. A really cool Toronto apartment. So, uh, like, you kind of have to. If there's a cool apartment with a butcher's block, like, you can't just go straight to the bed. Come on. Yeah, you got to go to the butcher's block first. And That's right. I want to point out, Dallas was wearing a dildo under, like, oh, um, under her pants for the date. Yeah, for the date. Yeah, that's a, that's a move. Like wearing a strap on. Uh, she really went for it. And, um, yeah, guys, the sex in this movie is very graphic and when we say graphic we don't mean it in a bad way at all just to clarify because sometimes i don't know that could have a negative connotation it's graphic just in the way that it shows everything persis found out that apparently though they were wearing like prosthetic slash fake vaginas we're not sure exactly like what that means but you found um like an interview or or something where they were saying yeah i want to shout out drunk lesbians watch it's like a really funny youtube channel um where basically drunk lesbians watch different like movies or like trending topics, anything like that. I love that. And I watched them reacting to below her mouth. And one of the drunk lesbians said, oh, apparently they, they used like fake vaginas. And all of them were like, what? Because it looks, it looks very so real. Realistic. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that person I kept saying when we were watching was we were like, these it seems to us that these actors are really having sex. Like a lot of times when you see sex in movies, it's actually simulated. So the the two actors aren't actually doing what it looks like they're doing, Um, you know, for safety and health on set. Obviously this is their job, they're at work. Um, But it really seemed to us like just because they were showing everything from every angle, it was like, seemed like they're actually having sex. but yeah, apparently they were fake vaginas, which is kind of amazing because they really took the time to uh, design them um, in certain in certain ways. But this is what I was most excited to hear from Persis. The sex positions and just the sex in general was very realistic. Yes. Switching out of positions for you. Oh, oh, <laughs> sing it. Oh. Honestly. <laughs> I like, love that song. Me too. That was one of my top songs this year. Oh. Or last year, I should honestly, say, 2021. I think, I think me too. I think me too. Ariana, love we love Ari. you. We love you, Ari. I was actually, like, very happy with the sex scenes. It felt very real. I didn't feel, like, uncomfortable, kind of like how I did at points when I was watching Blue is the Warmest Color. This just felt very natural, and it felt like the two of them were, like, very natural together. And I find, like, even Jasmine... I mean, coming from a point, I'm assuming this would have been her first time sleeping with a woman, but didn't you still feel like she was being, like, it was a very, like, safe environment for her? Like, Dallas was kind of, like, taking the lead. Like, Dallas was definitely, like, topping um, and kind of doing everything to Jasmine, but it was very, like, I don't know. I just felt like it was realistic. And yeah, one of the main things is that they actually didn't scissor at all. Scissoring wasn't shown. We saw a lot of tripping. But we didn't see, yeah, specifically the two of them like scissoring. In in like the stereotypical traditional sense of scissoring, mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> like we talked about, guys, if you want it, if you haven't heard it yet, we did a whole episode on scissoring two episodes back that is really interesting. Um, and we were talking about how scissoring is actually an umbrella term for any type of trimming, like in theory. Um, but I just wanted to clarify that because we had talked about that in our episode. But yeah, like the traditional, like like a straight man might say, think is scissoring. Like there was none of that. No, it was it was very realistic. So I just wanted to say like kudos to them, like the directors and the actors, like they did such a great job of like showing lesbian sex. And that's why in a previous episode, Sarah was saying if anyone was actually curious about like lesbian sex, I would reco um, below her mouth. And I have no yeah. like problem saying that. Yeah, yeah. And I think for anyone, whether you're in the community or whether you identify as straight, I, I think why not educate yourself on lesbian sex and what that looks like and what that feels like or what you would imagine it feels like through watching the movie, right? And what you can see the actors are, are feeling. Like, I think that's really interesting. And why not kind of like expand your understanding of different people, like different sexual experiences on my straight, on my straight listeners? watch it i had a great time i had a great time at the movies i do wish i had i didn't have any popcorn which now i really regret oh you should have (laughs) um i feel like you might have said this already so stop me if you did but um just quickly back to the scissoring thing one thing that you were saying was like scissoring is a real sex position we're not saying like good for you you didn't put scissoring in it we're just saying like it's cool that they didn't only focus on this stereotype of lesbian scissoring. They really like, you know, they tried to make it actually realistic to what real lesbian sex is. Yeah, like just showing like various positions. Cause like we said, scissoring is another position that you can yeah. do and enjoy. So totally. But that's not all it has to be, ladies and gents and everyone ladies in between. And, gents and everyone in between. Mm-mm. I found um, a quote actually though from. It was on Medium, movie review by Helena Emanuel. And uh, she was just saying, like in porn, the plot is weak at best and contrived at worst. And even though Krill and Linder pour passion into all facets of their performance, it's still not quite enough to make up for what the script lacks. So kind of going back to what Sarah and I did say, like, yeah, going into this movie, like the script is really lacking. Yeah, and the plot itself is lacking as well, even though I felt and you felt like there was quite a good amount of character development. The plot itself, you know, there's not a lot there. It's pretty like surface level. But yeah, I think that this review by Helena is similar to a lot of other movie reviews we saw for Below Her Mouth, which was like the sex is and the passion in this film is actually really great and, and actually quite well done. Natalie Krill and Erica Linder, like they really give it their all. And I think it pays off. And if you're looking at like the passion between them, not just in the sex scenes, but also like, for example, the scene I love at the end where they're breaking up. I don't know why I love the breakup scene. That's so sad. But they can't really make up for, like they can't really turn things around when it gets to just like normal everyday life scripting of just like in between the sex scenes they can't really they can't really uh do much with that script <laughs> yeah yeah it, that that was a little that was a little tough but i mean overall like like you said sarah and i liked it though like it's not like we're coming here being like we we did not like below her mouth like we are coming on the podcast to say 
yeah I enjoyed it like I had a good time watching it yeah and before we get into rating the movie we're gonna rate it out of five but before we do that I guess to like wrap up our our conversation about the movie itself like why did you like it ultimately I think I want to say I liked it because I think it showed or okay I liked it because I think the director did a really good job of showcasing lesbian sex in like the most natural way and I think it was as much as like I felt like it was a very like soft like core porn type of movie I did like that there was an emotional storyline to it and I think like we need more movies like I think I will say this forever like we need more representation and we need more lesbian movies so we're not like given these like little snacks that we just like get so excited about when it comes out for sure but yeah I do want to give um props to below her mouth for being so realistic in terms of like the sex scenes so I think like that's why I liked it overall yeah you know what I I think I would I mean not to completely copy you but I think I would say the exact same thing like I don't have the perspective to say whether this sex was realistic in terms of my experiences but it felt realistic it felt authentic you um like the reason that we wanted to watch it so much was because you were like there's a lot of sex it's kind of crazy but like it's so authentic and that's really important to you and really important to me and I think I kind of like bad movies I kind of I kind of get a kick out of it when a script is bad and stuff like I think a lot of people are like that I love laughing at bad scripts I love it I love like laughing you know you and me were giggling through a lot of it and not even the sex scenes we were like giggling at just when they were trying to be cute to each other and it was really cheesy so I just like had a good time and ultimately it was a love story and I just I love it I you all, you all already know if you've been listening call me by your name is like my favorite movie of all time and there's just something about queer love stories that just gets me way more than hetero love stories and I loved them and I love to see them when they happen and there needs to be more so I think I was just like excited yeah yeah me too and like we said it genuinely felt like a love story like it was sweet they had good chemistry those two oh those two had great chemistry I know I was like are y'all gonna date after this because if you didn't yeah I mean I hope they did date we obviously don't know but we found out we did some creeping and we found out that Natalie Krill who played Jasmine is now married to a man with a kid and I just hope that her and Erica got a chance to date before she found this um, baby daddy man because it would have been a shame to let that go to waste, that like natural chemistry. Come on. Yeah, Erica and Natalie, if you're listening, like I really hope you at least had like one offset fling. That would be amazing. Come on. The chemistry was off the charts. But maybe that's when they'd go and be like, well, we're just actors. That's what we do. <laughs> I know. They're like, we make that's you, my job. We make you believe. We have all this chemistry. Oh, can you imagine if they kind of like didn't like each other on set? I love those behind the scenes stories, like how um, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling actually like hated each other on the set of The Notebook. But then there oh, was yeah. the passion, like it was undeniable. And then they dated for three years. Yep. Oh, great couple. Fun fact for everyone. Both of those people, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling, were born in my hometown of London, Ontario. Oh, I didn't know Ryan Gosling was born in London. Yeah, both of them were born there. I think one of them was born at the hospital that I was born at. Oh, a star is born, eh? A star was born um, for him or her and for me. 
like three stars is what I'm yeah, exactly say. three stars yeah. <laughs> which is potentially what we might be giving this movie after our rating Ooh, seg way seg way so we give an overall rating out of five as like the average oh that is some math i'm not opposed to like doing the math do we know how to do that math <laughs> how do you find the average again you add them all up and then divide it by the number of uh, categories. Oh, you're right. Okay, cool. So we're going to do our average rating out of five. Okay, cool. So Purse, the writing and dialogue, what would you give it out of five? Okay. I'm going to give the writing and dialogue, honestly, a 1.5 out of five. Oh, you're doing the points. Okay, girl. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to give it a one. Ooh, I'm being nicer. Uh, yeah, you're being a 0.5% nicer. And I think that's all we really have to When you guys watch it, if, when, and, or if you already have, you'll, you know what we're talking about. The dialogue isn't great, but that's okay. Not everything in a movie can be good. Okay, Paris, sex scenes. What score would you give them out of five? Honestly, five. I, I don't have any problems with the sex scenes. I was like, sex, great. Did a great job. <laughs> I was like, sex. <laughs> oh, that's sex okay oh, I have to think about this hold on because normally I don't just like jump right to like perfect score but I also don't have any problems with them you know what I'm gonna give it five out of five too five yeah. out of five, five, out of five. I just feel like I don't have a reason to not because I'm like they did a great job like I don't know okay love um, that so acting 2.5 out of five you're going to give acting 2.5 out of 5. I'm going to give the acting 2 out of 5. We have a little pattern going, eh? Yeah, I'm just like doing basically the same thing as you, but a little bit less nice. I want to give just, I know we already did this pretty much, but just a special shout out to Erica Linder. Stunning. I think she is actually, I think her main profession is as a model. Like, I don't know if she really did that much acting before this, um, but I think she... I think she was really great for like what she had to do in the role and all that stuff. Like, like, you know, there were a lot of cheesy moments, but I just think her look was so striking that like I could not take my eyes off her. Like if she, you know what I mean? Like those scenes where she was just like staring into the camera, it was pretty impactful. So I want to give a special shout out to her. Yes. Okay, Erica, Sarah loves you. Okay, chemistry purse. What would you give the chemist their chemistry, Dallas and Jasmine, out of five? Are we talking emotional and sexual chemistry? Yes. Oh. Okay, I'll give it a four out of five. I liked okay. the chemistry. Okay, 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 okay. You know what? I'm gonna give it a four point five out of five. Ooh. I just felt like they had really great chemistry. Yeah, I thought. I'm just picturing someone who hates this movie listening and just like screaming, screaming through their headphones at us. Sorry, guys. We're sorry. We're lovers. So like set production, ultimately, how the movie, how they made the movie look. Also, maybe like cinematography. What would you give it out of five? I honestly think maybe like a three. Nice. Yeah. Like I think it wasn't outstanding. Like I wasn't like shooketh, but I was like, oh, they did do like a good job. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, putting Dallas in a bunch of red light all the time is pretty obvious. It's like, uh, yeah, you're hinting at the fact that she's quite moody. Um, yeah, same thing. Like, it doesn't blow my mind. Um, and uh, 
Jasmine is usually in a lot of like neutrals um, because she's hiding a lot of herself. So, you know, there's a lot of like beige and like beige and colorless stuff in her world. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Dallas is like, you know, intense and yeah, like even though she doesn't have emotions, she is quite emotional, um, which is part of her toxic nature. Probably a Scorpio. Uh, Oh, do you think? I would love to know what the character signs are. Not the actors, but the characters. I'm going to say Dallas is a Scorpio. She exudes Scorpio energy. Mm, what about Jasmine? I'm not going to lie, guys. Um, Jasmine gives me... I'm not going to lie, guys. <laughs> you know what I was going to say? I was going to say I was going to say Libra. Okay, I thought you might say that. Yeah, but then when you said Virgo, I was like, oh, she does give me like earthy vibes too. Maybe she's a rising Virgo. Yeah, she definitely, I mean, I equate every Libra to you because you're my Libra and she definitely doesn't give me like lovable Libra vibes personally. Um, She's just very like meek. I don't know, Jasmine's character is kind of, I wasn't like a huge fan of Jasmine's character. I just, she was just a little, I, I can't even put my finger on it. I just like, she was a little bit too much. Like she was pouting all the time. Like she, like not sad pouting. Like she always had this like fake pout on her face. Anyway, uh, I don't know why it's taking me so long to give set production a score. You know what? I'm going to give it a four out of five. And here's why. Because it felt very Toronto to me. I think there are so few movies that are set in Toronto. And when there is one person I get really, really excited. Shout out to the F word. An amazing little indie film but with Daniel Radcliffe, Adam Driver, Mackenzie Davis. It's such a good movie. Um, and it's based in Toronto. And it really is like an ode to the city, I find. Yes. And this one, like, I don't know if I call it an ode to the city, but it felt Toronto. All those like neon kind of lights, very Toronto. It's very Toronto to be in a bar and for there to be like red lighting and or like some sort of like n- like neon signs kind of energy. I don't know where that lesbian bar was, but I ain't ever been to a lesbian bar like that, guys. You know, from the background, I was trying to figure out where it might be. Well, listen, all I want to say, guys, is I want there to be a lesbian bar in Toronto that's like a vibe like that. Like you go yes. in, there's like neon lights, but it's still chill. You can dance. But I feel like yeah, yeah. There was all the bars, there, which I love, and I love going to gay bars. Don't get me wrong, but I have a hard time like actually meeting people and chatting with them because it's mm-hmm. so busy. It's mm-hmm. it's like most of the time we go for like a drag show. But listen, sometimes I just want to go to a gay bar and sit with my drink and meet a cute girl. Okay, yeah, like- come on, of course, of course. I like maybe later we should look up the locate the shooting locations and see because I bet you what they did was they probably just, like, found a bar to shoot at, you know? And, like, and designed it. Designed it. Um, but I hope they didn't. If there was, like, a lesbian, an amazing lesbian bar, you would have known by now. I would have. Guys, I've been here for, like, eight years. <laughs> I mean, shout out to the beaver. Oh, I know. But I the, guess. the other thing, too, is that the bar in Below Her Mouth was actually full. But the beaver, the beaver, not that I'm downplaying it, but the beaver's a small venue that I feel like it was kind of a smaller crew. So it's yeah. hard. You're not in a space like that when you, you can like really roam around and like look for people. <laughs> really roam, eh? 
Yes, I'm in, I'm Dallas in the bar, like running after Jasmine. <laughs> Just kidding. I would not do that. JK, she never would. Um, okay, so now we have to do this math. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay, you do yours. I'll do mine. Aw, Sarah, I thought you were doing mine. No, I'm not going to do your math for you, Persis. You need to pull your weight in this relationship. Although I think we know who is going to have the higher score here. My grand score for this movie is 3.3 out of 5. Which is actually quite higher than I thought it was going to be. We're so close. Minus 3.2 out of 5. No. Are we soulmates or are we soulmates? So in conclusion, the straight girl liked blow her mouth more than the lesbian. I'm surprised. How did that happen? Because I gave lower scores. No, it's because... Because uh, of the whole... Because of the last set production? Yeah. I think your production took over because then you were also a slightly higher with 4.5 compared to my four. Oh, yeah. You're right. Um, you're right. Yeah. I, the, I liked this movie more than you. Mm-hmm. By 0.1 point. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's actually a lot higher than I thought it was going to be just because like, like we said, I think ultimately, ultimately this is not a good movie. Um, let's just say that, but I had a good time. Me too. It just made me, it made me happy. Made you happy, huh? Yeah. Cause I was watching it with my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> okay. Well, you're not my friend anymore. So no, I'll always be your friend. No. So guys, if you um, have already watched it or you're going to watch it or whatever, we really want to know what you think is below her mouth. A good movie, a bad movie. What do you think about everything we said? Do you hate our takes? Do you love our takes? Um, And do you feel – I'm most curious to hear from the listeners whether they think that the sex was as realistic as you did and or if they, like, enjoyed the sex scenes yeah, guys, seriously, let us know what you think. We really want to hear. Yeah. And I also, I would love for you guys to like message us and let us know, like, what kind of lesbian movie do you want to see out there? Yeah. What, what lesbian movie do you wish existed that you haven't found yet? Cause this got me thinking, this got me thinking, like, should we just shoot a movie on our iPhones? Like Sean Baker style. Who's Sean Baker? Oh, um, Okay, so I'm only shouting him out because I heard he, like, does this a lot in his movies, but I recently watched a movie that I loved by him called The Florida Project. I was telling you about this. Uh Uh-huh. And um, there was a movie he filmed before called Tangerine that apparently was incredible, but he filmed it all on his iPhone. Okay. Oh, we could absolutely film a movie on our iPhone. Um, One small problem. I don't live there, so that's just, like, a tiny insignificant should I come? Well, when we're filming a movie, you you fly down for the show. I fly? Okay, I fly. I just flap my wings and... Are you going to pay for my flight or is it... Do I pay? Oh, yeah. Do we have to cover costs? We're probably the ones who cover the costs or because we don't really have a production company. But that's okay. We get funding. From who? From people who want the movie. Okay, you know, cool. You know <laughs> who we get funding from? The listeners of Girl on Girl. So this entire episode was just a ploy to ask you guys to please invest in this film. It's going to be groundbreaking. It's going to be Oscar nominated. It's going to be a cult classic for years to come. And you're always going to be able to say that you invested your dollars in it and made a healthy, healthy return. 
So here's the deal. You're a good writer. Do you want to write the script? Oh, thank you. And yes, I do. And I'll direct. Is it a love story between us? Is that what, is that what no, it is? We're gonna oh, ca- okay. No, we're casting oh. queer actors. Oh, yes. Yes, honey. Okay, I'm cool. saying we're going to create the lesbian movie everybody wants. Okay. Yeah. And, and you guys listening are going to be a part of it because you're going to tell us what lesbian movies you want that don't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Should I write it as a straight woman? Well, would you, would you rather direct? You're just a better writer than me. No, I would rather just produce and have okay. a queer writer write it and you direct it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh-huh. honestly, guys, come on. Persis should star in it. Let's be honest. Like, Persis, you are made to be in front of the camera. As an actor? Yes, girl. Yes. You're always making videos. Should I act? But I'm not acting. I'm talking. I mean, same, same. I'm acting fake, acting. but. <laughs> yeah, you're so fake all the time that I really think you'd be a good actor. Thank you. You're welcome. I just, like, would really... My thing is I'm really bad at like crying, so they would need to give me tears. I mean, I think you're you're better at crying than you think you are. <laughs> okay. I've seen a many a tear fall from Chris's <laughs> eye over the years. My one I think you eye. could do it. <laughs> yeah, only one eye cries. That's a fun fact about Persis. She only cries out of one eye. <laughs> That's true, but I always wondered if I was acting, like if I was in a scene, like actually if I felt it enough, I'd probably start bawling my eyes out and fall in love with my co-star. We should ask some of our actor friends because I think you just think about a sad thing. Like you just, you just pretend you're in the actual scenario that you're acting and like really think about how it would feel and then you cry. Easy. (laughs) But I've tried doing that. What do you mean? Like fake crying? I've tried. What are you talking about? Like in front of- people no like I've sat in a situation because I remember I was like I wonder if I could like fake cry if I really (gasps) thought about something that made me sad and you couldn't do it well I yeah but I also don't think I was trying hard enough maybe if I was really like if it was pressure and it's like were you just like alone in your room when you were doing this I've done this before like even as a kid I used to do that was I home (laughs) was there as a kid we didn't live together when I was a kid you weirdo no, I mean, did you do it while we were living together? No, I mean more when like I was um, <laughs> like filming videos with my friends and we would like <laughs> act. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel you. I used to pretend that I was in music videos, especially when I was like sitting in the backseat of the car. I'd like listen to music and look out the window and be like, <laughs> in a music video? I thought you meant you were actually like dancing. Oh, I would do that too. Don't get me wrong. But I've never, maybe I'll try the crying thing tonight. <laughs> okay. Try. You need a good cry every now and then, you know? I love to cry. Okay. Well, thank you for coming along the, on this wild journey with us, y'all. We hope you liked this episode. Um, if you were like, oh, this topic was fun and you want us to do more things like this, like talking about queer pop culture stuff, let us know because we really love it. <laughs> We love it. If there's another movie you want us to kind of do a breakdown of because you think it's like an iconic queer movie, let us know. We (sighs) did do an episode called our favorite, like our top seven queer movies for our seventh episode. But if there's one you want us to zero in on, let us know. Wait, was Below Her Mouth one of your queer movies in that episode? No. Oh, what was the one 
the main one that you were talking about that I hadn't seen. It was like Gia. No, it wasn't Gia. It was um. Oh, anyway, whatever. I can't remember. But Imagine yeah. me and you. We might have been Imagine me and you. I know, but that was before I watched it. Ugh, you didn't even watch it. You fell asleep. I fell asleep. <laughs> but yeah, guys, listen to that episode first before you uh, before you make a request for which movies we should talk about. Mm-hmm. And we'll do it. Or else. All right. Love you. Love you. Aw, said at the same time. Aw, Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Jinx, you owe me a soda. Sarah, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great. I'm feeling really good. I'm sitting here with my best friend and we are recording a podcast. And I feel really good about this podcast. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have it in case you missed it today, like we do on every single episode of the podcast. Every single episode, that is what we talk about at the end of the episode, in case you missed it. Remember when we tried to have a theme song? We don't do it anymore. Um... I feel like we do that so many episodes. I feel like many episodes we have, like, tried to sing something. We just want to serenade you guys. And, you know, I think it falls flat most of the time. But it's not going to stop us. No, because we will continue to pursue our dreams. That's right. And our dream is to sing. To sing. To sing. Okay, but Sarah's actually a good singer. I feel like I used to be a good singer, but, like, I can't really sing anymore. No, Purse, I'm serious. Like, sometimes I'll just sing because I'm always singing to myself. Um, and I live alone now, so I'm, like, just singing to the walls and to Olivia. Um, but I'm not as good as I used to be. Do you think it's because you just haven't been, like, doing it actively and, like, yeah. yeah? Yeah, singing is a muscle. Singing is something that you have to practice. Otherwise, you, like, literally lose the ability to do it at the same level anyway i feel like i've lost it but maybe i'll get it back who knows i think you should do it maybe like maybe like just start like baby steps getting back into it because i miss your singing and i miss you playing guitar and i think you should start writing again you sound like my dad um yeah maybe uh anyway we'll talk about this after (laughs) so persis found and in case you missed it today uh for us um and god bless her for finding it <laughs> thank you that's all i got you to know, say honestly guys i follow this account called the gay times i'm sure sarah i think you do too oh for sure and i feel like so many of our in case you missed it's have come from the gay times <laughs> you know what it's because like they are on top of queer topics you know and i think like mm-hmm. shout out to the gay times for letting us know but um yeah there's there's always something happening you know who else is always on top of it that i want to give a shout out to because i love their content and i feel like we reposted a lot because it's so good is i just want to get the at right um and this person has almost a hundred thousand followers so definitely not like a small account but matt bernstein um their handle is m-a-t-t-x-i-v um posts such good content like current stuff news essentially and then just like really great perspectives and commentary from a queer person about things that are happening and why they're okay and why they're not okay um this account is just incredible i really love it yes shout out shout out shout out to the rooftop 
this piece of In Case You Missed It is actually about a Pixar movie. Um, I haven't seen it. And Sarah, I don't think you've seen it. No, I haven't seen it. But I love a good Pixar movie. So maybe I will watch it. And actually, um, after hearing this news, now I'm a little bit more curious. So last summer in June, Disney released a very sweet coming of age movie called Luca. And the director, Enrico Casarosa, says they talked about making the movie queer. Like just before the, like in the talking stages and planning stages, they actually were speaking of maybe like making this movie a queer film. So basically uh, the film is set on the Italian Riviera and it follows a young sea monster who aspires to explore the seaside town of Porto Rosso with a fellow sea monster and land dweller named Alberto Scapano. Um, and actually, Italian. <laughs> I love all the Italianness of this. Okay, go on. <laughs> Me too. It's very nice. It's very nice. But that's that's my like one input. After the film's release, um, apparently a lot of Disney fans actually speculated that Luca, um, who's like the main character, and Alberto actually had a bit of a queer relationship and but despite all of these like speculations apparently that was like this lgbt message was seemingly shut down by the director after he told yahoo entertainment that this is just about platonic friendships womp 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 um but then (laughs) later on like uh, Enrico later did say that the creative team did discuss the possibility of the film being queer during an interview with the rap. And he said that we're slightly surprised by the amount of people talking about romance. We were really focused on friendship and so pre-romance. I felt really honored and I don't like to say yes or no. I can say, well, that's not how we wrote it. It wasn't my experience, but I love that the metaphor is reading in all these different ways. I didn't see that. I didn't know that quote was coming. That makes me feel a little better. Yeah. Um, Because it sounded almost like when... (laughs) It sounded almost like the director was like, no, it's about friendship. Um, And like shut it down as opposed to just being like, it can be anything. That's cool that that, that you're thinking that. That's not actually how we wrote it, but like... Your interpretation. Yeah. I I feel like... This is probably extremely obvious, but we should just specify this is an animated film (laughs) Um, in case like anyone was imagining it not to be. Um, So I think that's important because so many animated movies do not show queerness. Um, Like movies for kids don't typically include like actual queer stories. It's always like, you know, the princess and the prince or whatever. Um, And so... I think this movie more than others um, is is especially um, exciting that it could have been a queer story, or that people are interpreting it that way because maybe a kid inter- maybe a kid without even knowing interprets it that way, and and that's great as well. Yeah, person, I were just I, I my my one take on this. Person, I were kind of just talking about this earlier um, before we started recording is that I'm just, I feel like this has happened a lot where um, like a movie gets released and then after it's released, someone who was involved in the movie was like, oh yeah, we were talking about maybe making this character gay, but ultimately didn't. Yeah, um, kind of like I'm- how Spider-Man, we talked about that. Yeah, and uh, what was Aunt's name? Aunt May. 
Aunt May. Yeah, we were in one of our most recent, maybe even last week's, in case you missed it. I can't remember. Um, I think it was last week. Yeah, basically this exact same story where um, Marissa Tomei was like, I really wanted Aunt May to be an openly queer character, and then like it didn't happen for whatever reason. And I just feel like I was saying to Purse, I'm kind of sick of like that happening. And it's not necessarily that I'm like, shame on you for not making the movie queer. It's not that. It's that are you like giving yourself a pat on the back by saying, we almost made it queer, but then we didn't. And like that feels icky. And it, and, uh, I kind of compared it to like when when corporations give land acknowledgments, but then they're not actually doing anything tangible to um, support the indigenous community. That happens a lot here in Canada, especially um, as we have been facing so much indigenous trauma. You know, a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon um, and it feels similar to that in that it's like, oh, we talked about maybe we're, you know, we're open minded. We talked about making it queer, but ultimately like it just didn't work out for whatever reason. I don't think that's what's happening here. Like, based on this director's quote, I think they just wrote it as a friendship. And then the audience perceived it as maybe something more, which is to- which is great and totally fine. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to, I really, I felt like I needed to let that out. I needed to vent that out for, for a second. Yeah. I think we're, we're just basically saying we're tired of hearing, like, the what ifs. Because, like, or the, oh, we almost did this. Because at the end of the day, like, this is real life and people do experience queer relationships and people are gay. There are so many gay people, people and people are gay, y'all. That should be the title of this podcast. Yeah. People are gay. Yep, and we they we want to be represented and I think for a Pixar movie especially incredible. Like would love to see that just in a movie. I feel like I'm going to just take this to my grave my my tombstone is gonna say representation matters (laughs) (laughs) queer representation matters i'll make sure of that honey um also i mean like this the pictures of this movie are giving me major call me by your name vibes like major major even like some of the backdrops here like the oh my god oh my god there's one scene. There's one scene that looks exactly like the scene where um, Elio and Oliver are at the war monument, and they're telling each other basically how they feel. Sarah's flipping out. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I really want to watch this movie. Me too. We should watch it together. We'll just have to see where it's available and if we can like stream it together. Oh, baby. That'd be fun. We should do that tonight, baby. It's on it's Disney a little late Plus for you. Yeah, it's eleven. Um. But yeah, I think it's cool that at least that conversation is happening around a Pixar movie. And I hope that future Pixar and animated films are thinking more about queer kids and what queer kids want to see. Queer and non-queer kids would um, benefit from seeing represented. Yeah, because non-queer kids also need to see it too. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm looking for. Oh, we did two different hellos there. Oh, okay. Listen, we're cultured. We know music. Adele. We know Lionel. We know what's that song? I just came to say hello. Oh, Iconopop? I used to love that song when I was in grade Is it 12. Iconopop? I don't know. I don't know. 
yeah <laughs> i don't have anything else to say about this do you guys if you've seen luca um <laughs> let us know what you think about it sarah and i are gonna spiraling. watch it we'll yeah. probably watch it tonight or maybe like this weekend we'll watch it sometime but yeah i haven't watched an animated movie in a long time and i actually really like them so okay percy buns well thank you for thank you for watching this movie with me thank you for having this conversation below her mouth not luca um but we will watch luca together I hope that you have the most magical evening of your whole life. You too. Guys, we're back on a time difference. So it's only 8 p.m. for Sarah and it's 11 p.m. for me. Yeah. I some I feel really bad sometimes when we get off and you're like, you know, exhausted and I'm just like, woo! I know. I'm like fading, but it's okay. Um, it's what you got to do when we got to keep the pod going. When you have a LDR, sometimes you kind of just have to make sacrifices. We know how to make sacrifices. That's right. Baby, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Love you guys. Talk to you soon.